What is up, Asymmetry? Hey, everybody. How you doing? It is really, really nice to be podcasting again. We had to take a short break just out of sheer necessity to get our feet underneath us as 2024 came in like a whirlwind. But we are going to break it down for you. I want to draw all your attention to the fact that Mariah Mobile, the long-awaited and anticipated personalized bonsai guide app, a calendar of bonsai activities showing you the process, telling you what to do and when to do it on your trees and your collection, and answering the why behind the questions that will inevitably arise when you start to perform bonsai activities. You can catalog your trees. There's academy courses to inform and expand your practice. And that long-awaited calendar that everybody has been requested in a form that is, to the best of my knowledge, the only of its kind and the most incredible way to learn bonsai. Comes with your Mirai Live subscription. You do not lose your access to Mirai Live. And in fact, we are just getting ready to start streaming again in a new format on Mirai Live to continue to expand your knowledge. But it would be hard to have a winter recap without bringing attention to Mirai Mobile and all the hard work that the team has put in to create this pivotal educational tool. Anyways. I'm going to break it down for you, the end of 2023, how 2024 has began and where we're headed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And because I'm by myself, I'm just going to keep on. Okay, so I have to be, you know, totally transparent about so many things with Mirai. I would say we did the podcast on the journey of Mirai, and, you know, that kind of spelled out some of the changes that were coming we hadn't released the app necessarily yet you know like we had the initial stream of 2024 which was introducing people to the app and it's like with every step the amount of time that has gone into all of the creation of things at mirai has been so prolonged that i personally really lack a filter when we're almost to the finish line because i'm so excited and also if you've ever run a long distance that last like mile of a 10 mile run or that last 100 yards of a 400 yard dash you know like that last lap of swimming uh you know a thousand meter distance it's not the worst lap but it feels like the longest lap you know because you're almost there you're kind of spent and you're you're trying to get there in good form you know but i i do really get so excited that I probably cause my team a tremendous amount of premature anxiety and a tremendous amount of customer service issues because I'm generally telling the community what's coming before it's time for it to be released. And I got to say, I've never been part of a community that is so hungry and wanting of the information that we provide. And it makes sense that we've found each other because I've never really had the desire to share what I know with any other community before Bonsai Mirai became this educator in an unlimited capacity online with the launch of Mirai Live. So I appreciate everybody and I appreciate their hunger and I appreciate the desire and you know, I'm trying to rein it in, but when you rein in your enthusiasm for what you're doing too much, you do run the risk of losing that enthusiasm. And so it's like this balancing act for me of like, okay, don't say things before it's time, but be excited about it and say it at the time that you need to say it to maintain the excitement, but also not cause catastrophic mayhem and customer service related inquiries for the team, because we are such a small team that's managing such a massive and ambitious load and constantly kind of building and improving and creating more. So, you know, by the by the end of 2023, I was like spent, spent. And I think the whole team was spent. And it's a journey whenever you build anything, whenever you build anything. But I went down to the giant sequoias over Christmas and got to spend a significant amount of time in the giant forest, which you know, we podcasted a while back with Anthony and Wendy, Anthony Ambrose, that's right. Uh, Anthony and Wendy, the Ancient Forest Society podcast. If you haven't heard it, 
check it out. I had spent time in Redwood Canyon, which is actually in Kings Canyon National Park, which is right next to Sequoia. And the reason we were there was to assist in a very minimal way with cone collection because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I'd never really climbed except for the Coastal Redwood project that we did. I'd, I'd never climbed a giant sequoia. So we were sort of labor slash, you know, watching this process and got to climb some of the giant sequoias. But, you know, ultimately Redwood Canyon burned in two subsequent years of fire and like 22%, 25% of the giant sequoia, old growth giant sequoia, natural forests on earth were eliminated. And since that moment and going there and seeing the fire devastation in Redwood Canyon, where the, you know, sort of heart of that fire really caused massive destruction, I recognized, man, I would be remiss if I did not take Taft to see the giant forest. Because the giant forest, which was affectionately coined the giant forest by John Muir, as documented in his book, Our National Parks, where he documents his meandering through these giant trees and the pressures and impacts that were being applied to the giant sequoias, Yosemite, and these wonderful natural monuments of splendor. All the way back when the initiation of the national parks began, reading his accounts of wandering through this forest and him coining it the giant forest I needed to see it because if it burned and we didn't see it, if it burned and I hadn't seen it, if it burned and I hadn't taken my kid to see it, I would forever regret that. So anyways, I went down there expecting pure bliss and to be transported and it was unbelievable, but I was so burnt. I was just so spent at the end of 2023 trying to pull what felt like a train up an uphill track to try and get to the point where we actually could transition. You know, transition away from the live stream format on Super Tuesday, which is bittersweet because I really loved what we built, but we also have greater ideas for what the live stream can do. And we're actually getting ready to start those live streams this week. As I'm talking on this podcast, I'm going to walk out into the greenhouse and we're going to start streaming uh, in a more behind the scenes fashion, which I'm super psyched about. But also, you know, we were working on all these websites, the revamp of bonesimerai.com, which was more refreshed than anything, particularly the gallery and the images on the black backdrop that sort of commemorated a big shift in our aesthetic at Mirai, but the launching of the first of a revamping of the Mirai Live site, the logged out page now tells you about the Academy where you get the app and Mirai Live for the same membership, you know, but also working on a new email platform that we're getting ready to launch that shares some of the inspiration that drives Mirai and the things that continue to motivate us. A new update to the web store, goods at bonesimerai.com which is going to be absolutely stunning and really feature the artists whose work we feel so fortunate to represent in an incredibly new way. Like all of these things were happening at once. We were making all the content for the app. We've already made an app that we chose not to use, but we had content. I mean, it was was just like, it was so much that walking through the giant sequoias, I just, it was almost like an expelling of like this tremendous amount of tension that had just started to amass trying to get all of these things over the finish line. And I knew that we were pretty much there, you know? So it was like this, like trying to process all of that out of the system and like really find my footing again, because we also chose last year to change education. You know, every fall we offer class signups. And for a long time, I've been feeling like, you know, the defining concept courses that started Mirai on-site education at Mirai and allowed me to stop traveling were so on point. It was a really great format. It taught you the specific information, you know, pines, junipers, elongating species, year one, year two, year three, progression of the knowledge, expansion of the abilities. Those classes really, really, the students that started with me in defining concepts are, are still my most talented students to this day. But it was so much teaching, right? It was just like three weekends a month, almost every month of the year. And I loved every minute of it. And also the well runneth dry sometimes. And so then we went to a once a month style with a more prolonged education. And I really felt like it lost the structure 
it lost the consistency with the students and the groups and the community. It lost it lost the execution of bonsai on a higher level where a really fantastic tree was not getting the attention it deserved. And there was a lot of busy work to fill the space, which let's, let's be honest, bonsai is a lot of busy work. Uh, it's a lot of disciplined work. The actual creative process of bonsai is a gift, right? We celebrate when we get to have that moment where we actually create. And that, that's not to say that the busy work is bad. I feel like that is almost like the yoga practice, right? It's like, that's the meditation. That's where you f- slip into flow state. Um, and really where the benefit of the bonsai process acts on the human mind and spirit. So it's not like it's derogatory in any way that there's a lot of maintenance, there's a lot of parts of defoliation, there's a lot of deadwood cleaning and paint. I mean, each of those steps has so much value, but I just recognize, you know, like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do for students? What do I want to offer? And I recognize that I really wanted to be doing bonsai again on a professional level, which is not to say that I wasn't doing bonsai on a professional level, but it is to say that a bonsai professional in the Western world, the pitfall of it is that you start watching people doing bonsai and telling people how to do bonsai and you stop doing bonsai, right? And I I watched this. It was the reason I created Mirai because initially the Western model of a bonsai professional was uh, an entertainer, more or less, a traveling demonstrator and workshop leader. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to have a garden. I want to make pivotal trees. I want to make iconic trees. I want to show what's possible with our native material and, you know, the continued expansion of the bonsai concept. But the educational model is sustainable and it empowers people to be able to handle these trees with respect and success and create beauty that is a product of them, you know, empowered by the techniques. But as a professional, if you're not continuing to advance yourself, if you're not growing, you're dying. You know, and that really was where I was at at the end of 2023 is like, okay, it's been a couple of years of trying to make this app of continuing to try and drive forward the progression of Mirai. And I was just at a point where it's like, I got to make bonsai again. I've got to find, I've got to find that spark. And, and that ultimately, every time I put my hands on bonsai, although it was minimal through 2023, I felt better afterwards. And it was like, okay, that, that, that is why I did this. That is why I created Mirai was to do bonsai, to make great trees. And how do I do that while advancing students' abilities? And I just recognized it's, we, we've got to put the weight back on the tree. Always got to put the weight back on the tree. Uh, and that meant giving each tree a little bit more time, a little bit more attention, and moving to the independent study model, which I, I, the first month of independent study was so spectacular, productive, and exactly what I wanted with my students, and I think what my students wanted that have engaged in an in independent study, that I, I don't know that there's any going back. It's the way it's supposed to be. Right, uh, you think about the Renaissance painters and the master and apprentices or master and students inside of a master's studio, you know, and you have talented individuals making incredible trees under the guidance of of an expert, but you also have the expert working. There's something so valuable about seeing somebody fluent in an art form working, and that is really where I want to be moving forward because I, I want to be doing bones. I want to be making trees. I want to be handling and being the one who runs this garden, you know, for the development of all of these educational tools that I have no regrets about. And I am so proud of them because I think they accomplish exactly what I set out to accomplish. I think when you see the app continue to progress in what we are getting ready to add to the app and launch you're going to understand. You'll just understand more and more what it's designed to do. And we're working at it every day. But the big lift to get it out there uh, has been launched. I don't regret any of that. But it, it was time. You know, at the end of 2023, I recognized I really have to start 2024 off with the right intention. Or I can very easily slip back into the same mode of continuing to try and build and build and build and build, which I love to build things. I love to make things. And I've got a tremendous team that empowers that. But I also wanted to prioritize making and building trees. And so after coming back from Sequoia, which was a little bit of like an internal hurricane in my mind, which I I used to 
when times were slightly different, my house was still intact. Life looked a little more moderate. I used to, on a weekly basis, go sit in a sensory deprivation tank. And like the first 30 minutes of the sensory deprivation tank would just be like this hurricane of like emotions. I would be happy. I would be sad. I'd be scared. I'd be confident. It's just like this radical bubbling up of all of the stored garbage in my brain. And then, you know, after like 30 minutes, it was gone. And it was just complete and total silence in my head. And it was so uh, incredibly positive. I don't necessarily have the same life these days after, you know, a significant number of things have changed at Mariah and whatnot. Um, So the sensory deprivation tank has sort of become a treat instead of like a steady practice. But walking through the woods does the same thing for me. And I really felt like the giant sequoias sort of cleansed my soul a little bit and gave me a lot of a lot of fortitude to approach 2024 and just to attack it like I came back from the sequoias and sort of immediately started chipping away at the workload that existed at Mirai and the workload that existed to get the app out to launch and the morning of New Year's Day when I was an apprentice in Japan, I would get up and see the sunrise. I wasn't always successful. I think like four of the six years I saw the sunrise for sunrise of the new year. Uh, but I hiked up to the top of Portland, the highest point in Portland with my son and my fiance. And we, we watched the first sunrise of 2024, which you know was amazing because we could actually see the sun. The Pacific Northwest in the winter is not favorable for seeing that glowing ball of fire. We saw the sun rise right behind Mount Hood, which in my mind, I've always felt like Hood was like the the Mount Fuji of the Pacific Northwest. It's just such an icon. Obviously, if you live in Seattle, that's Rainier. But Hood has had like this like spiritual sort of connotation for me being here in the Pacific Northwest. So to watch the sunrise uh, behind Hood and then to come out to Mariah and put my hands on a tree. I have not gone a day in 2024 yet without handling a tree. And it is just an absolutely monumental shift because, again, that's why I went through my apprenticeship. And that's also anybody who's listening to this who does bonsai, that's why we do bonsai, to do it, to care for these trees, to handle them, to design them, to see them improve that energy exchange. That's what it's all about. But launching the app was an incredible experience. We actually crashed the server with app launch, which everybody was like, I can't get in. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's like, okay, we experienced that with Mariah Live, which was unbelievable, scary at the time, but unbelievable that there was that kind of response to Mariah Live launch back in 2017. And it was similar like thrill when Mariah Mobile launched and everybody's trying to sign up and we only had iOS available uh, knowing that we were just waiting on the Google Play Store to approve the Android, but we had no control over the time, and it was crazy, and it was a whirlwind, and there was like just a tremendous amount of questions and anticipation. And once it was out there, it was just like, okay, here we go, here we go. You know, it's the next. This is the, really the next iteration. It's what I had aspired to put out there, and now we just get to build it. Now we get to build it. Now we get to take your feedback. Now we get to improve it. Now we get to add to it. Now we get to realize it in its final form. That was fantastic. And that journey continues. Constant, constant challenges with technology, constant challenges with the changing environment of social media and uh, the companies that you depend on for the platforms that provide you the ability to host all these things. But nevertheless, a really positive experience to the app. But, you know, as far as this being a winter recap, One week after the turn of the new year, things are good, positive, working on bonsai. We started seeing this like polar, uh, you know, what do they call it? Arctic cold front, like, you know, distant on the Apple weather, you know, on my phone with temperatures in like the single digits. And I'm like, oh, gosh, maybe it'll warm up. Maybe it'll change. Now, I had significant previous experience with extremes at Mariah in terms of the heat dome where you started seeing these temperatures like 120 degrees, 118 degrees. And you're like, by the time it gets here 10 days from now, it's going to be, you know, 102 degrees and we're going to be good. And that was not the way that the heat dome worked, you know, and ever since the heat dome, which just absolutely mollywopped us here at Mariah, ever since the heat dome, 
hit you know, we constructed a larger shade structure, we changed the layout of the garden, we have shifted the way that we handle things. But the biggest thing to me that that woke me up to is you can never, you can never assume it's going to be okay. You can never take Mother Nature for granted in the bonsai form and through bonsai cultivation. So when I started seeing this like Arctic front amassing it got to a point where the lowest temperature expected was like 22 degrees, 25 degrees. And I'm thinking, should I leave trees on the benches? And I just continued to remember this experience of this heat dome. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be in that position again. And I can't even tell you how happy I am. You know, this is like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, had I experienced the heat dome and then not taken action with this Arctic cold front, it would have been my problem. It would have been my fault. That would have been irresponsible, right? So Miguel and I prepped the garden for seven days, set everything on the ground, loaded up the greenhouses, loaded up the workshops, really, really prepped the garden like in a deep, deep winterization way. Like I used to do in the first two or three years of Mirai before I knew how serious it was going to be, before I knew when I needed to act. I would set every tree on the ground. It was super physically exhausting, very demanding, you know, and then you have to pick them all up again. And so if I can avoid it, I've learned I would like to avoid it. Anyways, this Arctic cold front blew in and it just absolutely creamed Portland. I mean, it crushed Portland. And when I say it crushed Portland, it literally crushed Portland because it came in with super cold temperatures, a lot of snow, but catastrophic wind. And the wind blew trees down on houses, crushing houses, killed some people, unfortunately, cut off power to the city or parts of the city for four or five days. And the temperatures were in the low teens and the high single digits. It was like pretty apocalyptic. And, you know, coming from Colorado, people are like, you're from Colorado, so you're used to this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, trust me. In Colorado, first of all, we have snowplows, which the Pacific Northwest has just forgone the necessity for, despite the fact that snow shuts down the city almost every year. So Colorado has snowplows. They work to gravel and create traction in the streets. There certainly aren't the near the scale and size of timber around houses, you know, back in the more arid parts of the United States. So like as I was standing in the place where I stay in Portland while my house is being rebuilt, I literally watched a 250-foot tall Doug fir fall straight on the top of a house, crack the house right down the middle of the home, and then subsequently slide across the front face of the home and rip off three stories of decks and push the house off of its foundation, followed by a big leaf maple splitting right down the center falling on the upstairs bedroom and living room of another neighbor's home that ripped off half of the house, and I could see the homeowner sitting in their living room in shock after the tree sheared off half of their house. It was like, holy cow. I mean, like serious, serious stuff. Cars got crushed, homes got destroyed, and then because it was so scary, everybody in these high wind regions, which are the higher regions in Portland, went to hotels down in downtown where there's power, where there's heat, etc. But the temperatures froze everybody's pipes and four or five other neighbors, their home was completely destroyed by broken pipes. I mean, it was like monumental, right? So there's like this need to take care of my son and my family and everything that's happening in Portland. But then, you know, I had Mirai and I winterized Mirai and we did not lose power at Mirai, but we've got generators anyways if we lose power, which will buy me time. So I was able to like, feel comfortable being away from Mirai, but I was still at Mirai and I slept at Mirai a couple nights. The wind wasn't as bad out here. But towards the tail end of this whole thing, right? This is another thing I'd never experienced in Colorado. And I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but freezing rain is like a force of nature that I had not ever conceptualized as a Coloradan. It just wasn't something that I experienced. Black ice, yes not necessarily a product of freezing rain. Freezing rain might as well be black ice that covers everything because the freezing rain came in and it put such a pristine sheet of ice over all of the roads, all of the trees, all of the structures, everything. And you can't touch a tree that's got freezing rain on it. It'll break a branch right off, just snap right off. 
Uh, the weight of freezing rain crushes things, knocks out power, does dangerous, damaging things. But the freezing rain came in, and that was just like insult to injury of this polar vortex, Arctic front, whatever you want to call it, total winter nightmare to start 2024. And the crazy thing about it is I loved it. I loved it. Ate, ate it up. And I don't know if that's because like now I had set sort of my intentions. I'm doing Boneside despite, you know, I was repotting in the greenhouse because it's like there's really not nowhere else to go and not much else to do. And the greenhouse is above freezing. I don't know what it was, but I just felt like, you know, this is nature being nature, nature going to nature, right? Life's going to life. And uh, because we were tucked in, I could just sort of write it out. Uh, I'm thankful that nobody in the immediate vicinity of my friends and family were hurt. Our place that we stay in Portland came out unscathed. We drained all the pipes, did all that stuff. Mariah was okay. You know, knock on wood, uh, definitely sort of count my blessings. But it certainly didn't feel like, ah, oh, great, 2024, starting off just crappy. It was not like that at all. It was like a really beautiful experience, you know, a winter experience. And it was, you know, we talk about bonsai connecting us with nature. It's like, well, hey, mother nature, she's beautiful. She'll bite you, but she's beautiful. And all of her forms and her fierceness is just as beautiful as any of her passive demonstrations of grandeur, right? But that was a, a daunting way to start 2024. And here's the bigger problem. Nobody could get up to Mariah for like 10 days. The team could not come up here. We couldn't meet. We couldn't get together. We had all these plans to execute all of these things, get the stream going, do this, forum Q&As, podcasts, everything else, and everything stopped. Right after we had launched the app, one week after launching the app, everything here stopped. And it was like quiet and peaceful and like priorities were on sort of more like hoping devastation doesn't occur, taking care of and check, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, checking the boxes, covering all your bases. But the community at large was like, hey, knock, 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 where are you guys at? And we're like, we're just trying to hold it together right now, right? Like, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to you. We haven't been with power for five days. It's literally been 22 degrees in my bedroom as I'm sleeping in five layers and my bed is hard as a rock because it's basically frozen. My glass of water on my nightstand was frozen every morning. It was really quite an experience. So it was, it, 2024 started off with a bang. Now here's the thing. This is the craziest thing of all. It's early February right now. It's the first week of February. And we had this massive cold event that was single digits as cold as it's been in Portland in a long time. One of the coldest it's been in Portland in, re in recorded weather history. And every single tree at Mirai, three weeks later, is leafing out. I'm just like, what is happening? All of the deciduous trees are starting to leaf out. All of the conifers are losing their winter color. Buds are swelling on the larch and the bald cypresses. I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is a first. February never happened. March, yeah, that happens. And I'm saying, gosh, I'm not going to make it to the early to mid-April with my repotting window. It's shrinking. February? I mean, this is like a DEFCON 6 kind of mode for a bonsai professional. When you have ambitions of, you know, 150, 200 tree repot season, you're through 50 of them, which feels pretty good. And I felt like I was ahead of the game, except for now they're all growing. You know, it's like, oh, oh my gosh. So that has been. One of these other like really illogical experiences post that kind of cold to then see things start to grow. And I'm not saying it's warm, but I'm not saying it's cold now. But when did things get so wonky? I think like they've continued to be wonky as like, you know, whatever it is, climate change or weather progression or, or natural elements or man-made. None of that, you know, all of that matters in different conversations. As far as Bonsai and Mariah is concerned, None of it really matters because I can't change that. The only thing that matters is, okay, the trees need something, right? They need to be repotted. They need to be pruned. They need to be wired. They need to be deadwood washed and clean. They need to have their surfaces revamped. They need to be in the sun. They need to be out of the sun. They need to be kept from freezing. They need to be allowed to freeze. It's like the bonsai dance, I feel like when you see like a singer or a dancer and somebody's like, okay, do Michael Jackson. 
and like for like five seconds and the music comes on and like it's like doing the moonwalk and then it's like okay do james brown and it's like now you're like whoo you know and doing the splits and stuff and then you're like okay now do celine dion you know it's and it's just like this smattering of like hey how many hats and shoes can you wear to be able to keep up with things you know to like accomplish all of these ambitions that you have in bonsai and it's you know what again i'm just gonna say i love it i love it i'm in it because i'm in the garden doing bonsai i have my ambitions i have my goals and as long as i continue to handle these trees life is i can't complain i can't complain how many people make a living doing bonsai not many people make a living doing bonsai right not many people actually make a living doing bonsai it's freaking hard it's hard hard. I wrote a, bo- a blog post, uh, no, not a blog post, forum post after we launched the app and just said, hey, listen, y'all, appreciate the enthusiasm, appreciate the hunger. There's a lot of heat coming our way for creating an app that's going to educate you better than any other tool that we gave you without charging you any extra for your price of admission from Rye Live, right? Like a lot of heat, don't bite the hand that feeds because uh, you can destroy that spirit and inside of that, it was, it, I also wrote, you know, listen, there is like an interpretation that Mirai is somehow outside of the realm of the real world as it pertains to bonsai and life. And, and Lonnie and I were talking about this earlier, just about like in the changing climate of business and life and the social strata and economies and cultures and modernization, whatever, whatever, every, the only sure thing is that things are going to change, right? And amidst all of that, there always is a perception that somebody has it easier than you. Somebody's got it better. Somebody's got it easier. Somebody has Something that doesn't matter to them that matters to you. Oh, they have this so that, you know, money's not an issue. They have this so uh, they don't have the same challenges. And one thing that I've become acutely aware of uh, in recent years is, hey, listen, we all struggle with the same things. We all struggle with the same thing. Everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got a multitude of things, a multitude of things. As far as being a bonsai professional, the thing that separates me from anybody else is the fact that I have an LLC. International Bonsai Mirai that says I chose to make a company that does bonsai. That's the only difference between me and somebody who's a hobbyist or anything else. Now, obviously, I've got training. Obviously, I do make my living doing bonsai by having that company, and we try to do it really well. But weather, you know, and time and resources and fighting through the incredible amount of noise that exists to try and communicate and deliver the things that we make that we do feel sincerely contribute in a positive way to the world that we live in right now, which is a necessity. It's not about the money. It's about doing our part with this thing that we've been blessed to understand and find a relationship with, which is the tree. In its macro and micro environment, bonsai or the giant sequoias, the largest tree on earth, it's the same, right? Necessary. Greatest carbon sink that exists on earth, probably the most likely solution to climate change should we choose to try and, you know, embrace it. Definitely something that physiologically stimulates our health on a way that we're only just starting to understand with science, have not understood to date except for through hypotheticals and what you could say in the science world as bias observations. And now it's being physiologically proven, right? Like the, as long as it positively contributes, it's worth it. It's totally worth it, right? Uh, so anyways, a long story to say that forum post was, was to just help everybody understand, hey, we're a small team of five people that are delivering everything. <laughs> and then we had a polar vortex completely disable us. And we've really been like, catching up ever since. But I'm I'm super excited. I like I will honestly say this. I've said it before on the podcast and recognize in saying it now that I I meant it and I felt like it was real, but I can tell you this is markedly different. I have not had the kind of optimism that I have for a year of bones. I know granted I don't know what sledgehammer is going to smack me in the face or take out my knee or, you know, what uh strand of life is going to throw a curveball our way at Mirai, um, because it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen, right? Life's going to keep lifing. Mother Nature's going to keep showing her teeth periodically. The world continues to spin, and with that comes the unpredictable. But the optimism that I feel at this point in time 
um, is above and beyond. Above and beyond because, you know, like, we did it. Like this app that 10 years ago I wanted to make, you know, which at that time was an educational experience and now is a viable living entity that we are working on and adding to. It's like it's there. And this garden I wanted to build, it's here. And the trees I wanted to work on, they're, they're ready. And the students that I want to work with, they're coming. And the ambitions for the future, they're manifesting. They're manifesting. They're coming into clarity. Those relationships are being formed or have been formed, and we're working on exciting things. It's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time to be alive. You know what it is? It's a great time to be a part of Mirai. And the Mirai community has been super supportive through all of this, but, you know, getting the garden into a position where, you know, we're going to be able to share the garden again at some point. We're not there yet. Please don't email us about it. But there will certainly be a point where if you are a part of the Mirai community, you will know, right? You will know. Subscribe to our newsletter. It's going to be kick-ass coming out in the next couple of weeks. You're going to see a new version of Mirai be there, be square, you will know. So anyways, that's that's kind of, you know, as far as a winter recap, we're still very much in winter, but it's like spring came a month early, so we're panicking. But I, I wanted to talk about something else, which is the progression of this nutrition, right? And you're all like, oh my God, here we go, nutrition again. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, dude, you said this nutrition is going to be game changer. Now my benches are white with calcium. Uh, my trees don't look any different. You are crazy. No, nope, nope. 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 The progression continues. It continues. I have forever been trying to understand sort of Phomopsis, Juniper tip light, disease susceptibility, insect susceptibility, right? And we've talked about it. We've talked, we, we understand right? nutrient related issues and stuff. And so I've been doing an experiment over the winter. I've been treating, you know, certain trees consistently with nutrition. No nitrogen. That's not the, the winter is not the time for nitrogen. Winter is the time you can pur- purify. I've been treating trees with nutrition and I've been not treating other trees with nutrition. And the marked difference in the continued supply. Now, bear in mind, I don't live in the arid western United States. I live in a temperate rainforest here in the Pacific Northwest. That changes my conditions entirely, right? The constant flow of water in the form of rain, snow, ice, etc. is leaching out all of the nutrients that a plant wants. Temperatures get cold, plant isn't pulling as hard, temperatures get warm, suddenly a plant starts to reach for those nutrients, those nutrients are gone. What is left in place of those nutrients? Things you don't want the plant taking in. And so, you know, the product of that on a really wet winter or really warm winter is a high proliferation of disease and insects as a result of that. You say, oh, you could treat with a dormant spray or chemicals or this. Yes, you could, right? That's sort of been the way of the past, not necessarily the most uh, earth-friendly, progressive way moving forward. But, you know, the other component of it is just like, well, what about the root system now that we've been nutritioning these trees for so long? I mean, I'm seeing trees produce roots that are picking them up out of their containers, which you say, well, you don't necessarily want a tree growing that aggressively. Well, I want trees to grow aggressively enough that I don't have insect and disease issues, and I'm seeing the kind of sustainability, i.e. mature, compact, tight growth in the growth that I am getting through the nutrition that I'm applying, that I'm quite satisfied with trees producing an abundance of vascular tissue that actually lifts them out of their containers and going back into the roots, seeing the biology, seeing the biology, seeing the presence of worm castings on the surface of the soil, seeing the beneficial insects, i.e. worms and, and organic decomposing, I don't know what they would be called, I guess, like smaller worms or something, you know, like really, really beautiful biology. You say, well, how does a worm get into the container? How do these other organisms get into the container? I have to assume, you know, much like the permafrost in the colder regions of the Arctic tundras is melting and suddenly You've got like anthracnose and and like these horrible pathogens being released and tons of gas being released and like diseases and problems that nobody knew existed or thought were to be extinct now coming back to life. And it's like, oh my gosh, when you invigorate the biological environment, you recognize that all of the seeds, the spores, the life forms, the potential for those life forms, they were there. They're always there. They're always going to be there. And it's like, 
talking with Karen O'Hanlon, the brilliant mind and microbiologist behind the probiocarbon Danu uh, products in Ireland, she would say, hey, if the conditions are not right, these bacteria that I'm supplying to the tree, they will just go dormant and then they will come back to life or reanimate from that spore form, that preservative form when the conditions are right. And it's like, okay, so seeing this biology and in some cases the biology being so thick that I've got to like clear the drainage holes of trees because literally the biology has filled the drainage hole and the tree will not drain, which is easy to see because when you water it, it just sits on the surface, right? But literally seeing biology in that capacity and then seeing the reciprocated health of the tree, which doesn't mean it's impervious. That's not impervious to disease. It's not impervious to pests. But its response to those things is far more positive. It's far more uh, capable of enduring and pulling through with a significantly improved resistance and capacity to recover. I'm never going to get rid of disease in the Pacific Northwest. I do not want to use chemicals. We're never going to get rid of insects as they apply to living plant life. And again, committed to not using chemicals. So learning these thresholds, continuing to conduct these experiments, working with David on even a closer uh, and more continual basis now that we're refining the knowledge. I'm super psyched. When we can tie the apical nutrition into the Mirai Mobile app, uh, it's going to be there. That is going to be next level. Super, super exciting. Exciting. What else, Lonnie? Do we have anything else? I feel like you covered a lot of bases. Yeah. It it's felt like such a tender start to the new year yeah. where a lot of things that we've been working on, it's quite vulnerable. We're putting it out there. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is vulnerable. Yeah. 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 And I think it's like, um, you know, the expectations from Mariah are always really high, which we set those expectations ourselves, And we've established that, you know, and it's like, I do continue to, you know, and this is my perception of things. Everybody can have their own perception of Mariah. Everybody does have their own perception of Mariah. You don't need my permission for that. But, uh, but I do continue to feel like, Hey, listen, what have we said we're going to do that we haven't done? Maybe things have changed. Maybe it looks different by the time we get to the finish line, which is basically the definition of Mariah, the unobtainable ever-changing future always out of reach, right? By the time you get there, Mariah's kept moving and it looks different than you could have imagined. You're going to aspire to that next step, but you don't know what it looks like. So we get there. Maybe it looks a little different, but I still say, hey, listen, what haven't we done that we said we would do? Yeah. Our timeline's always a little different. A little different. Ryan doesn't have a good perspective of time. Let's just be really clear. My weakness is I think I'm capable of way more than I am in way shorter of a time span, <laughs> which thank goodness I have the team or else we might have lost some of you in the process of overpromising and underdelivering, or being so tardy that you decided to stop waiting. That's a possibility. No comment. Right. Right. But, no comment. It's I said it all. But we've, we've worked really hard and I think we put out an amazing product yeah, and uh, we continue to live up to the name where there is this unattainable future and we keep, we keep stretching. We keep keep going. Yeah. We keep going. We keep going. Yeah. And I think that like, that's a big part of the commitment to the trees again. Cause I I said it uh, somewhere along the lines in a podcast or on a live stream uh, before we change super Tuesday or, forum QA, something. I, I said it before I, uh, and I'll say it again. Right now at Mirai, th- th- 14 years into Mirai, coming up on 14, I don't know, we have, I have a little confusion on this whole how long we've been here kind of a thing. We started in 2010, it's 2024. If you count it out, April 15th will be the end of the 14th year, beginning of the 15th year? Yeah. Okay. All right. So are we 14 or 15? Right? Uh, this is yeah, the, this yeah, is the we, whole thing. Anyways, you guys wrap your mind around that. Let me know what you think. It's taken this long. Right now, best material I've ever had to work with as a bonsai professional in my life. Right now. Right now. And I'm not says, listen, we've, we've had great trees, iconic trees, highest level material the entire time. And yet somehow at this point in time, best material I've ever had to work with. You know, but 
think about this. There's a narrative arc to any company. There's a narrative arc to any individual. There's a narrative arc to any artist, right? I, and I've talked about what I observed in Mr. Kimura's narrative arc. It is super interesting when you start observing your own narrative arc, right? Like what stage of this narrative arc that I've become aware of existing for every human, every creative, every artist, what stage am I in? You know, but like you do a mass experience, you do lose some of the sharpness of your corners that can create really crazy, unduplicable things. But your experience and wisdom starts to empower other things. The projects in the wild empower other things. I mean, certainly your body of work for photography is I'm watching your experience create significantly greater opportunity in your photography. So it feels consistent, right? Totally. Well, and uh, just speaking to internally as a team, we've adjusted a lot of our behaviors because every piece of content that goes out, you have a hand on um, both on the front end and the back end and planning and being in it. And it's like how we can't duplicate you. Right. And so how can we get out of your way so that you continue to create your art? And this year, I think we're we're setting ourselves up for success. I think we're because, finding it. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're just working really hard so that you can be an artist. Right. And stay out yeah. of your way. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm so grateful for the team. It really we've been through a lot together. In short time, you know, we've been through a lot together. It really it really is. Yeah. Yeah. In twenty twenty four I feel like I feel like we understand each other maybe better than we than we historically have. Not that it was ever bad, but it's, you know, learning to work with people's tough. Yeah. So. And and with the team so small, we all have our little quirks and totally. it's and each person has quite a few jobs. And so it's like, how can we utilize the talent and uh and really elevate each other? Yeah. And, totally. And I think we're there. I think that's a really cool point that you just made. How do we all how do we all get to a point where it's like we're improving our situation, right? You know, because yeah. it's like, okay, team, I'm going to stop teaching. There's going to be some things that are changing. We're going to have to roll with the punches, but I'm going to feel better. And then I realize, oh, I do feel better. This is like, this is good. Not because I stopped teaching, but because of all the changes that we've made. And then it's like, oh, this is like a secret sauce. Like totally. Suddenly I've found like, oh, this is how I keep doing this better, happier at a higher level. How can everybody on the team have that experience so that we all want to keep doing this? You know, like that's, that's a real, like there's ideals and then there's practicalities. And it's like, I think to this point in my career, I've felt like you just got to keep suffering until at some point you break through. And it's like, I've just realized that's not a thing. You don't break through to a point where it's like, oh, okay, now I don't have to work hard. Now I don't have to worry about finances. Now suddenly the bonsai trees don't have disease and pests. Now I don't have to worry about executing things on the highest level because I've achieved some sort of enlightenment or nirvana. You know, it's like, that's hard to realize. Yeah, it suffering is a constant. Ugh. And so it's just like, how can we make it easier in between? Yeah. Yeah. How can you have the form and function of like autonomous choice, a good life and still achieve the functional necessities in a way that allow you to accomplish what you want to accomplish? It's it's not an easy equation. And I, I got to say, I don't think it's getting easier. I thought it would get easier. And technology is always like a tease out there. It's like a carrot that's being dangled that supposedly is going to make it easier. And I, I got to say, going back to the trees, getting back to Mother Nature and some tangible tactile inputs has been a big game changer for me, you know, and it's not a shock to me. I, it's just a shock that I that there are these periods, seasons in life where you get farther away from things as opposed to closer to them, you know, especially the things you love and want to do and stuff. So. 2024, starting off with some esoteric themes. <laughs> into it. <laughs> into it. Into it. Yeah, we're working hard for you guys, though. We love you. We appreciate you. I have so many ambitions for the podcast. 
you know, over the course of 2024, none of which I'll share with you here or my team would kill me. But I do still feel like the podcast is like, you know, form QA on Mirai Live, one of the best things that we do as far as getting to engage with you and your trees and give you real-time feedback. The, the podcast, like this quiet dragon out there in terms of our ecosystem at Mirai that just, it allows us to exchange thoughts freely you know, because I, I hear your feedback and I read your feedback and the team hears your feedback. No feedback on a team this small working this hard. Nobody's feedback goes unheard, unread, or unconsidered. And, you know, that feeds the discussions, that feeds our direction, that feeds our response and what we create. And when it's positive, the productivity that that positive feedback, or let me just say, not even necessarily positive, when it's constructive, that constructive feedback, what that has the ability to elicit in terms of changes that empower and improve Mirai's ability to continue doing what we do in a way that meets your needs as members of our community is unbelievable. When it's negative, when it's just like harsh, unrealistic criticism tearing Mariah apart, which I got to say is the minority, and in no way do I want to give air to the negativity. There isn't much of it to give air to, which I appreciate the shit out of, because that negativity, it's a game changer. It takes you down, you know, and it really breaks the spirit of wanting to do big things and continue to move in the direction that we're moving, because it does take so much effort. And I really think, honestly, the reason Mariah has accomplished so much of what it's accomplished is because the overwhelming positivity is is just abundant and it's what we hear it's what we hear and it and it is so very much valued and appreciated and i just want to say hey y'all we'll keep putting it out there and you guys keep giving it back and that positivity loop that has the ability to change things it has the ability to really change things in all of our lives for the better you know what you do for us empowers us what we do for you hopefully feeds your spirit and soul and the things that you're trying to work towards. And that collaboration, there is nothing but good that comes out of that. And any negativity, positivity squashes negativity all day long. But do be aware. Do be aware. What you put into the world is what you get back. And uh, we've become abundantly aware of that at Mirai. And it has worked really well for us to justify the effort that we put into this whole thing. So here's to a super solid beginning to 2024. Ice storms, falling trees, repotting season being squashed into a minute time frame. Let's go. Let's get it. We love you guys. Thank you.